The question that came up in the Dashan was, what should I do to be ready for the initiation ceremony? To which I gave the answer that in one, uh, from one perspective, the initiation ceremony is a formality. In other words, when we ask, are you, are you promising to follow the four regulated principles throughout your life? It's not expected that you'll say no. It's understood that you are prepared to follow those principles and chant 16 months throughout your life, and that the initiation ceremony is simply an affirmation of a commitment that is already made. Um, from the practical point of view, we can say that those who are going to take initiation, they should fast that morning. Hare Krishna. Any other questions? Yeah, we're taking written questions. <laughs> Problem is that, you know, many questions you could spend one and a half hours or one and a half days answering one of them. Somehow we have to uh, try and answer many questions in a limited time. I think if our photographic friend sits here, it would be better, because then he wouldn't give his back to the If you want a side view, you can come around here. If you don't want to get the microphone, you can go to the side this Does a conditioned soul uh, who is uh, originally full of bliss suffer physical pain and how does it happen? Yes, this is the kind of question which uh, perplexes even great sages. Now, uh, let's... Yeah. We can, tomorrow's verse from Bhagavatam, you can, you can read the translation. So here it says that the jiva undergoes material suffering. But how is that due to maya or illusion? So he certainly experiences that suffering. But on the other hand, that suffering is not actually real. It's an illusion. Because he identifies with an illusory position, therefore he suffers. The example is given of a person in a dream. And in a dream, uh, one may... Think a tiger is chasing me and feel great distress. But when he wakes up, he realizes that actually there's no trying tiger and there's nothing to be afraid of. Even though during the dream he feels intense fear, but as soon as he wakes up, he forgets it as just insignificant and meaningless. So materialistic material existence is like that. It has no actual connection to the soul. But because we identify with our position in material existence, we suffer just like the person in the dream considers himself to be being chased by a tiger. There is no tiger. It is simply an illusion. There is no tiger? There is no tiger. It is simply an illusion. So in the same way, the conditioned soul uh, suffers, but it's not. the suffering is not real. It's just based on his imagination. We have no real connection with this body and bodily pains and pleasures. So it is a very subtle point. Um, what a devotee. Uh, who is going to take Diksha. That one just did that. Oh, it's a different... What uh, does he have to know 
And what does he have to do before initiation? Just the same. Ah, the Guru. Oh, yeah. Can one chant uh, pranam, Guru's Pranam Mantra uh, between the rounds? We may do. There's no... Uh, this morning we're talking about vidhi and nishay, things that should be done and should not be done. Obligatory activities and forbidden activities. So there is neither vidhi nor nishay for chanting Guru Pranam Mantra between rounds. And it could be said that there are many things for which there are neither vidhi nor nishay. And generally we shouldn't just introduce some idea of our own. There's no harm if one does so. There's also no harm if one does not do so. It's not that you should come and say you must chant Guru Pranam Mantra between each round. It's not even uh, 100% essential that you chant Panchatattva Mantra between each round, actually. Prabhupada writes in the Chaitanya Chaitanya Prabhupada, before chanting the Hare Krishna Mantra, we should chant the Panchatattva Mantra. So, on the basis of that, devotees started chanting before each round, last time the, the Panchatattva Mantra. But it's actually not obligatory to do so. You do so. So, next question. How to develop uh, determination? It's one of the how-to questions. How to develop determination. How to be sincere. How to have faith. How to chant with attention. How to give up bad thoughts. And so on. Well, uh, Krishna consciousness, the whole process of Krishna consciousness, sadhana bhakti, is meant for purification. Important factors in bhakti yoga are good association. So if you want to be determined, it's good to associate with devotees who are determined so that we can imbibe their qualities. If we want to be uh, more sense-controlled, it's uh, advisable to associate with devotees who are more sense-controlled so that we can imbibe their qualities, and so on. Uh, determination comes from being convinced of the goal. So if we st- seriously s- study the Shastra, we can become more convinced of the need to be Krishna conscious that can help us to increase our determination. Um, on, on the path of uh, realizing, oh, on the path of attaining Krishna Prema, does devotee mm, go through realization of impersonal Brahman and Paramatma, and can it be a kind of trap uh, or even obstacle on his path of devotional service? No, a devotee doesn't cultivate uh, impersonal realization. The stages on the uh, path of developing Krishna Prem are described in the nature of devotion. Adho Shadhatatu Sadasanga, Atta Bhajana Kriya, Atta Narata, Atta Nishtha, The various stages are described. Initial faith, associating with devotees, uh, undertaking devotional practices, mm-hmm. becoming purified of unwanted things in the heart, and so on. The uh, path of impersonal realization is not included within bhakti yoga. Bhakti yoga is intrinsically on a higher level than that of Brahman and Paramatma realization. Even a neophyte devotee who is uh, beginning to be attached to the personal form of Krishna is better situated than a highly advanced impersonalist. He's in a higher dimension. What do you feel when you see a disciple who is unable to follow, ah, who is unable to surrender you properly, to surrender to you properly? Well, there's no real question of being unable, but uh, the living being is a complex entity. 
So we try to encourage. As I was commenting yesterday, I'm not a very good guru. I should be chastising all my disciples constantly, but I'm not. So I just chastise Balabhadra instead. No, we should be very serious to uh, to surrender the Christian consciousness. At the same time, uh, we shouldn't be disappointed if we don't come to the highest standard immediately. Prabhupada compared the guru-disciple relationship to like that of parent and child. So the parent uh, realizes that, after all, a child is a child. And although he wants them to develop very nicely, he doesn't expect them to be uh, fully developed immediately. So he has to be patient. Focus. The guru has to be patient. Actually, it would be good if more devotees were here, isn't it? There seem to be quite a few missing. Hmm. Some devotees advise to, medit- to meditate during chanting the holy name on uh, Sri Shikshashtaka. Is it authoritative? And if it is, uh, what it brings, what benefit it brings? Actually, when we're chanting the holy names, we should attend to hear them. The Shikshashtaka in Shikshashtaka Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has um, he's expressed the mood of a devotee who wants to get the result of love of God, which is uh, the, the result of chanting, which is pure love of God. Prabhupada said that uh, we should chant just in the mood of a child calling out for his mother. So this is an expression of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's expression. Calling out in helplessness to Krishna, please accept. So uh, certainly we should invite the mood of the Shikshashtaka, especially the uh, first five verses. The last three verses are for devotees in the stage of perfection or approaching such. Um, in one of his puppets, Srila Prabhupada writes that a king uh, receives that a king uh, receives from Vishnu some energy. Some Energy means um, energy to. It is written protective energy. I don't know. Alam Shakti. That said in, in regard to Vishnu. Yeah. So uh, with which he can. Uh, yeah, with which he, su- he, he supports uh, his devotees, and he his, his devotees or his subjects. Uh, he certain his devotees. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe they meant they meant subject. Yeah. He supports his subjects, and uh, he <coughs> administers. Uh, what's it called? Yeah, and he just and he punishes demonic, demonic persons. What are the symptoms of this energy, and? Uh, what is its influence, and uh, can how no can it be more than uh, Brahminic Brahminic power? Yeah. Okay. Uh, this, the symptoms of this power of maintaining, which is technically called Palamati, are described in the question itself. That he maintains the citizen, the king maintains the citizens and punishes the demoniac. So we see that Krishna uh, empowers different living beings with different kinds of abilities. 
Some people are just like natural leaders. That means they're invested with Krishna's power and shakti. Another kind of leadership is spiritual leadership. That has been mentioned, this uh, Brahminical power, and it's mentioned in the question. It's called Brahmateja, spiritual power. Uh, That is is intrinsically uh, higher than that of the kingly power. However, whatever ability one may have, whether it's to be a a Brahminical intellectual, or to be a kingly controller, or whether it's to be a housewife, bringing up children, cooking, and all these things. If these abilities are engaged in Krishna's service, that will bring perfection. By performing one's occupational duties, and serving the law, everyone can achieve perfection. That's very spare karma to be later. Some sit in the water and Is it possible to introduce, besides Bhakti Shastra course, a course for devotees to develop hum- humanitarian? qualities like kindness, attentiveness, and compassion. Sometimes devotees uh, are, are worse than common people. Even knowledge that they have is not able to to, to cover, to hide their bad qualities. Sometimes common people uh, can let uh, their guest to take to take uh, to spend night at their at their house, and devotees not. Yes, it's uh, it's very important that devotees behave as ideal persons. And often the complaint, unfortunately, the complaint is often heard that uh, devotees are sometimes worse in their behavior than you might expect from the general populace. However, I don't think that. Uh, of course, like the Bhakti Shastri course, will serve the purpose of rectifying this situation. It's a different kind of subject. Bhakti Shastri is academic, and uh, proper behavior is pragmatic. Something that is applied in day-to-day life. So that that can come especially if the leaders are aware of the need for that and personally practice that also. You mean the course maker? No, the, the qualities oh. we develop. Um, I was discussing this once with, with uh, a godbrother of mine that throughout the world, but maybe more so in the CIS, Many people coming to Krishna consciousness are what could be called socially disoriented people. Socially disoriented. Socially disoriented people. Generally, people come to Krishna consciousness if they. Um, in many cases, people come to Krishna consciousness because they're experiencing much suffering. If you're not embarrassed, you may like to 
we will take a little uh, hand count on this topic. Um, how many would of you consider that uh, material, including mental suffering, was a significant factor in your coming to Krishna consciousness? Yeah, most of us. Krishna, Krishna is very kind. At least when I think in my own life, if I think it, if I hadn't been suffering so much, then I probably wouldn't have been able to come to Krishna consciousness. However, um, the, the suffering can also that can also sometimes make us a little harsh in our behavior, or maybe if we've been mis- mistreated or exploited by others, then we don't trust others. If someone exploited us, then then uh, it may be that that tends to make us harsh towards others or distrustful of others. Uh, I was recently told that the World Health Organization had published figures that in the developed countries, 70% of people throughout their lives seek uh, psychological help, psychological treatment, psychiatric treatment. So it may be that many of us are coming from disturbed backgrounds. So that may be a factor in our disturbed behaviors, disturbed and disturbing behaviors. We have students of psychology here, also feeling disturbed and having to study psychology. Feeling disturbed? She's also feeling disturbed and having to study psychology. It's known that in America, it's one of the highest rates of suicide is among, in, among all the professions, is among psychotherapists. They're, they're just as crazy as the people they're treating. Now, um, another, there may be another reason why devotees appear to be worse behaved than the average materialistic person. Because materialistic people are living in a self-induced state of psychological narcosis. Self-induced psychological narcosis. Mm. In other words, they're living in a self-made dream world, and they see suffering all around them, but they don't—they deliberately don't register it in their brain, so they don't go crazy. More you? crazy than they are. There are many people who they just say, "Oh, everything's okay." They may see in the newspaper that uh, twenty thousand people killed in an earthquake. But it's somewhere a long way away, in Armenia or something. So they say, oh, really bad. But they don't, they don't incorporate that suffering into their own lives. And they go on with life that, yeah, everything's nice, everything's okay. And they also behave in a relatively civilized way with others. In this way, they cooperate with each other to maintain a vast dream world. Whereas devotees, they are combating Maya. They're not cooperating with Maya. They're trying to come out of Maya. In other words, instead of just closing their eyes to all the suffering and difficulties in the world, they are acknowledging it and trying to come to the state of liberation from it. So the materialist may be polite and well-behaved, but that is for the sake of uh, maintaining his illusion and everybody else's illusion. Whereas a devotee is facing 
in fact, that material life is simply miserable. Devotees also live a very tense life. Devotees are always being tested by Maya. It's a, it's a great challenge to practice Krishna consciousness, especially in the modern world. At every moment there is temptation to break the regulated principle. So uh, unless we are very fixed in our sadhana, then it can be a, can be a great strain. And even to be fixed in our sadhana, that can be a strain also. We have to push ourselves to get up in the morning. So devotees live a very intense life. And sometimes uh, that is manifested as uh, not what we might consider not very proper behavior. But we generally see that if a devotee remains on the path of Krishna consciousness, that gradually he becomes more mature. And when he uh, gets over that initial intense struggle, and becomes more settled in Krishna consciousness, then general behavior will improve. But nevertheless, it's it's better that we come to that platform sooner rather than later. It's good that devotees cultivate considerate dealings with others, not unnecessarily speaking harshly to others. Actually, harsh speech that is uh, it should hardly come from devotees' mouths. That means uh, when making some philosophical point, we may say that. You know, certain people are demons like that. And the guru, it's actually his duty to chastise his disciples. That's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm somewhat failing in that regard. But in general, dealings between devotees, it should be very uh, considerate and, and it should be bearing in mind that this person is given his life to Krishna. He's a very great personality. I should be uh, very respectful. So let us try to cultivate that. There are very pleasing dealings between devotees, then Krishna will be very satisfied. And uh, we may have the best philosophy in the world, which is a fact, but if devotees don't behave very nicely among each other, then no one will be attracted to join. Whereas uh, if the behavior is nice, even if the philosophy is completely bogus, then uh, people they like to join them. An example is the Mormons. I don't know how the yeah. An example is the Mormons. At least in America, for many years, they've been the fastest growing religion. Their philosophy is ridiculously bogus. We won't bother getting into it now. There's no time. But any time you want a good laugh, we'll discuss Mormon philosophy. <laughs> but uh, they they cultivate caring and good dealings amongst each other, and they promote uh, good. Uh, strong families, and then all the Mormons, they support each other socially. So, uh, and they believe in God. I mean, their concept of God is very bogus, but they believe in God. They're pious people. So many people are attracted to them. So we can learn from them. Let us try to become gentle Vaishnavas. It's, uh, it's difficult for me. I've been trying for the last several, so many years, but I'm not, you know, I find the, the the nature I inherited in the three modes of nature isn't particularly sweet or gentle. But actually, these are the qualities that we want to develop. When we read about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and his devotees and how sweetly they're dealing with each other, we're very attracted, isn't it? So we'd also like to develop those qualities. So let us try for that. At the same time, we have to be patient. That even if devotees, uh, they may not be as well behaved as we might hope, still they're devotees and we have to respect them. How can one get um, more blessings of devotees? 
Well, we can ask individual devotees, that, well, how can I please you? Six exchanges of love are described in the nature of instruction. What are they? Who can say number one? He said three already. All right, it seems you all know. So, by acting in these loving exchanges with devotees, we can get their blessings. <coughs> the fact is that you are chastising Brother Mother only, does it mean that others cannot properly understand your strictness? No, I'm not chastising him all day. <coughs> only when he's in the same room as me. <laughs> <laughs> I seem to have a reputation as being very strict. I thought I'm not strict enough. I'll try and be more strict if you like. But then I have to be more strict with myself also. How does present present time influence influence uh, people? <laughs> Devotees say that <coughs> the earth planet enters the epoch of oh what is it? Second it's water carrier. I'll just call it later. Aquarius, UFO wallers, or whatever they're called. We'll give them prasad. Of course, you know, there are so many predictions. You know that the, the world is going to end tomorrow. I mean, someone's always predicting it's you know, one month or after two months. There's going to be an earth shift and a new ice age. And it may be. The smallest uh, particles uh, which compose, which compose uh, matter. What are they? Are they jivas without consciousness or something else? Jivas are not material, and there's no question of jiva without consciousness. Although uh, very simple jivas, they may end into, they may be forced to enter into stones and be uh, practically unconscious. In Sanskrit, the smallest material particle is called paramanu, which literally means the uh, the greatest small thing or the most small thing, which is translated as atom. Of course, the modern concept of the atom is that there are subatomic particles also. But originally, when this uh, the word atom uh, was taken from Greek, which means the smallest particle, because they thought that's the smallest thing. So the Sanskrit, or the Vedic concept of Paramanu, doesn't exactly correspond to what we think of as atoms. But uh, whatever that may be in terms of modern science, which I don't exactly know, uh, 
the paramano is the smallest uh, defined material object according to Vedic understanding. But the jiva is small. And in the Bhagavatam, Krishna says that just like in, in the Bhagavatam, in the 11th canto, there's a chapter which is similar to the 10th canto of the 10th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, in which, just like in the 10th chapter of Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, Kahladas Chasmi among the demons I am Stavaran and Himalaya, among the immovable objects I am the Himalayas. So similarly in the Bhagavatam, uh, Krishna says, I mean in the Sanskrit, but he says that among small among small objects I am the Jiva. Um. In other words, the smallest thing is the Jiva. How a devotee should act uh, at, in the end of Grihastha Ashram and when he is getting ready to accept, when he is preparing himself to accept Vanapastha? Generally, it would be a gradual process. But when the uh, children are becoming grown up and not dependent on their parents, then the parents can start to prepare for Vanapastha life. So the uh, elderly parents will gradually turn over their family responsibilities to the children and absorb themselves more and more in spiritual activities. Hare Krishna Mahamantra is divided into eight parts. Well, into, yeah, eight parts. These are eight pairs of names that correspond to eight shlokas of Shishikshashtaka. And every pair has its meaning. Should we meditate on this on, on such a division of on such significance of Mahamantra. This first question. This question's already been asked some similar question. I replied that it's uh, following the guidance of Srila Prabhupada we should try to absorb the general mood of Shikshastika. But the system of uh, Chanting given by Bhakti Thakur in the Bhajan Rahasya, which is where this analysis is from, uh, that requires actually a very advanced level to even enter into it. Once Prabhupada was asked a question about adopting some rather complex practices and about, about following Chaturmasya, Prabhupada said, disciples, they can't even chant 16 rounds attentively, so why should they try to do all these things? Prabhupada said, just try to chant attentively and don't worry about all these other things. So let's get the basic things in order first. Other things we can think about later. Let's be realistic.